Hello and welcome back to the Pre-Shift podcast presented by 7 Shifts. My name is DJ and I'll be your host bringing you stories, advice and strategies from restaurant industry leaders. Today I'm joined by Queenie Reed. Hey everyone, I'm Queenie Reed. I am co-owner of Poppy and Rose in downtown Los Angeles, Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, California and also Root of All Food, a Los Angeles-based catering company. Queenie fell into the restaurant industry on accident. She met her now husband and business partner, Chef Michael Reed, when he worked at Poppy and Rose in downtown L.A. I kind of did it like out of like a self-serving type of thing where I was like, I never see him. You know, he's he he at that time he was owning Poppy and Rose alone with his other business partners until I came along and bought him out. And then he had the catering company. And then he was also um, a consultant at several other different restaurants and hotels. So I was like, I never get to see him. So either I might as well join him or I might as well like just chalk this relationship up to the game. Right. Um, so that was my introduction. Um, I started uh, doing private catering events with Michael. Um, and then that grew into um, us wanting to buy out the, um, the other partners of Poppy and Rose. We bought uh, those out, those people out. And then we ran straight into the pandemic. Um, so basically, I joined the ownership structure in September of 2019. March 16th, 2020, we were in the pandemic, kind of rested a little bit. And then we decided to open up Poppy and Seed in 2021. The challenge of opening a new restaurant and taking over an existing one was met head on with the pandemic, which gave Queenie and Michael the opportunity to decide what kind of business they wanted to run and decided to make it an intentional one. Well, um, that kind of really grew out of the the pandemic time, honestly. Um, when I joined the team, you know, uh, you know, Poppy and Rose was just Poppy and Rose. You know, it served a purpose. It was cute for brunch, you know. But because it didn't grow out of, like you were saying, a business model, we never had to really think about what we stood for or who we were or, you know, what we wanted to leave on our mark as far as like the restaurant industry. And so during the pandemic, it gave us time, one, to slow down and kind of figure out what we wanted to do just like as the business. Because at this point, my idea was, was like, oh, okay, Poppy's a brunch, in, a brunch restaurant. I seen the books. I really don't need to be there. I can continue working my own job, right? Which I was a controller at that time before um, I entered in with Michael. I was a controller for a fashion brand. So I had my own kind of career path and I didn't realize it was going to be a lot more work than trying to do two and then having a baby. And then so, so at the time I told him, I said, this is too much. Like I have to do one or the other, like, and it doesn't make sense to hire someone at Poppy and Rose when I can do this. Um, and so once I quit, it gave me time to really start to think about, OK, now I'm not on the career path that I was on before. What are we going to do? Because like, Poppy and Rose is cute, but it's, you know, you're not a brunch uh, chef. You're classically trained. You did that out of necessity. This is not what you want to be known for. So what do you want to do? Um, and so when we started to think about our growth, we started to have we started to, to have to think and prioritize how do we get there, right? And so I told him, I was like, well, you know, during the pandemic, we we had to kind of really jump into community um, because that was the only thing that was keeping us alive. Um, you know, like it really touched me when the doors closed and our people were like, we'll come and work for free. Like we need for this to, to, to stay. And, you know, we're here and we're in it together. And then that allowed us to, to start giving back and really think about 
you know, our employees in the community. But then when we started to come out of the pandemic, right? Because when we were in the pandemic, it was like, ah, it's crazy. And everybody was just kind of going, you know, just trying to float. But then when we had to reset and when we started hiring for Poppy and Seed, that's when it really became apparent that we really needed to start focusing on our employees type of like their health. And, you know, and then I started to reflect on how it felt for me. Like, remember I said, I never saw him. I never saw Michael. Like I had to either join him or just let this go. Right. And so I started taking a, a, a kind of a, a view from where I was when I was just the chef's wife, you know, and how that made me feel as to like, you know, he's overworked by the time he gets home, he doesn't have anything to give to us, you know? So in that I took a, a, I was, I was granted and, and was honored to be a part of the Women's Entrepreneur Leadership Program for James Beard. And in that one of our electives in Cornell's was strategic marketing. And in that strategic marketing, they, uh, they had um, a portion that was on internal marketing. And so um, we started to really prioritize that not only because we we're doing all the good things on the outside, like, you know, when you were walking Poppy and Rose, we had affirmations, you know, and we were doing the community um, outreach and, you know, feeding the homeless and everything like that. But we weren't really thinking about how mentally straining it was during the pandemic and then how before the pandemic uh, the restaurant industry was toxic in the way that, that, you know, they handled their employees. And so once I, I got out of that program, I told Michael, I said, we really have to start focusing on and being intentional with our employees because we want them to be whole human beings. We want them to be able to go out and, and invest in what they like to do because they're not, they're not just the server. They're not just the line cook. They're not just the host. They're not just the kitchen manager. They're people outside of here. And if we want to start to see our restaurant and our industry come back, we're going to have to start doing the work and making sure that we are treating people like people and giving them time to be good human beings. It made no sense to me that people you were working you to death and then say, but I need for you to be at top of your game. That's stupid. The whole time, right? Meanwhile, I'm over here cracking. And uh, but I, you know, but I'm looking at them and like, well, 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 and I'm just like, okay, we can't do this. Like we have to treat them, we have to walk it like we talk it. Like I started when me and Michael got together, I told him, I said, it's important that we take vacations for our mental health. Being a creative, you need to reset. And the way that you do that is getting out of the place that you're in right now, you know? And so Right. You know, so that you're able to to level yourself. And so I was like, we have to foster that with our employees. Um, and that's what I mean about being intentional. You know, like we think about their well-being. Some things are out of our control. OK, like when you get short staff, like, uh, well, you're going to have to work six days this week. That's out of my control. Right. But I can do things like make sure that we're doing weekly or monthly check ins with them just to see how they're doing as people. You okay? You all right in there? Um, also giving them space to be able to exercise mental health. So I give them books and things like that to read. Also giving them the time off that they need and also trying to make sure that they're scheduled to have two days off consecutively together. Just, th just those types of things, making sure that we're not working 
you know, 90 or 100 hours in a two-week work period, you know, that should be 80 hours, you know, just those types of things that we can control um, and then making sure that we're, you know, ingesting positivity in them. So that even comes with like our stand-ups and how our managers interact. It's important to recognize what goes into creating an intentional restaurant. It doesn't go from being written out and planned to existing seamlessly in the real world. It's constantly being worked on and iterated, but where Rita's found success is by focusing on her people. I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? So you have to start with the intent and it was like, this is the company that we need to be, right? We're a for the people company. That means that we're for people on the side of what's happening socially, economically, and also what's happening inside of our restaurant because there are people too, right? And so then the second step was, um, me, Michael and I are only, we're only the two people, right? And so now we have to find managers that are going to articulate what we're saying. So I started, and I do this on a, on a basis. So podcasts like these, I send them to my manager so they can hear me talk and they can hear the passion coming out of me and they can start understanding how I see it. Um, and then I give them books to read, like Conscious Capitalism, right? Like we need to be conscious and then conscious leadership so that one, we need to be conscious with our money. So when you're out there looking for places and people that we can um, partner with for our donations, we also need to be conscious about our leadership and how we're leading people, right? Because you know, I think about all everything all in its totality. Like right now, we're in a mental crisis in the world. It's not just in the restaurant industry. It's everywhere, right? You just walk down the street, people just start fighting. And because somebody bumped up next to them, you know, at the park, like, you know, just weird things. And now we're having, you know, all these, you know, gun violence and mass shootings and all these things. And this all boils down to the mental health and how we feel about ourselves. So um, training the managers and, and now I'm at the part where it's like, okay, now we need to articulate this in words and put it in a training manual and make sure that our training manual and our SOPs are speaking the way that we're embodying this brand. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of both. Like we had to start with the intention is like, this is the way we're going. If you're not on, if you can't get with this, so like, even when I'm interviewing um, our managers and the hardest part is that our managers are a lot older than a lot of the service uh, part, the front of the house and stuff like that. And so they're very used to the old way, right? And so even though they didn't like it, that's just what they're used to. That's how they know how to manage. And so it's, it's also about dismantling what they believe is management, right? And retraining them on, okay, it's kind of almost like gentle parenting, right? So like, you know, you, you had authoritative parenting and now it's like, let's do the gentle parenting. And we have to retrain parents how to parent um, with the, the people that we have now in the situation and where the mental health is right now. And so it's kind of it's adding, subtracting, starting with the intent, kind of always evolving, looking for new things and new systems that I can put in place to add towards that um, perks um time, you know, time for them to, to build on their camaraderie, to connect to each other. Um, so I'm constantly always rebuilding and retweaking, but it started with the initial intent um, of this is where I wanted to see not just our business, but the totality of the industry.
Now, Queen and Michael are just two people with two restaurants and a catering company. They can't be in as many places at a time as they'd like to be, so they have to rely on their general managers to maintain the culture while they're not there. And that all begins with hiring the right people, and once they're on board, engaging in constant communication with them and finding out what they need. It starts in the interview process, so I ask specific questions. Um, like I will ask, um, I ask triggering questions, honestly, to kind of see, and social questions. So I'm like, well, how do you feel about LGBTQ plus IA? Do you respect people's pronouns? I start from there. Um, how do you feel about the social things that are happening within the world? If there's one thing that you can change about uh, your experience as a server or manager or whatever your road was into the hospitality industry, what would that be? What is your most important thing that you're looking at with your employees? So I look at that thing. If you come and tell me, well, I want to know how much they're earning. I'm kind of like, uh, that's a part of it. But in order for you to earn, because the floor is a stage, like you have to be in the right frame of mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Like that's kind of hard to be like, okay, I'm supposed to be going out here making these people happy and my world is crumbling, you know? So I ask those questions um, just to see how they think. I ask them questions like, okay, um, if an employee comes to you and tells you that they want to kill themselves, what, what would you be your response? That's happened to me. I didn't know what to do. Right. So, um, it's like, you know, or how do you deal with someone who's having a tough time on the floor? Because somebody, I go to the extreme, right? Because like, if we can imagine the worst things that's happening and you handle it like that, everything in between will be a piece of cake. Um, so what if somebody's really dealing with their sexuality and it's showing like, you know, you can tell that they're really dealing with coming out or, or, you know, wanting to, to change their gender. How do you deal with that? If somebody comes into you and says, Hey, I was, I feel like I was just racially profiled because I'm black. Cause you are with black owners. How do you react to that? What do you, what do you think is? And so I ask them triggering questions like that, just so I can see how their brain works and how they actually even care about people, right? If you have a disgruntled customer and he's cussing people out, how do you deal with that person, right? Do you deal with, do you deal with it as just hopping up and wanting to call the cops or do you take a stance of compassion, which I would like for you to take the stance of compassion, right? And trying to, I'm not asking you to put yourselves in harm's way. Now, if somebody's acting crazy, please call the police. Um, but if, if, how about you just go ask them to leave first? Then if there's a problem, you know, we can, then you call the police. Cause I want to always make sure everyone is safe. But, um, so in the interviewing process, I ask those things. Um, I also ask them like, how do you deal with pressure and stress in your own life? I'm looking for them to say like, I meditate, I take a walk, I hike, I like cook I, so that I understand that they understand how to decompress. I also ask like, do you take vacations, staycations? Right. Because that needs to be a priority to them so that when someone comes and asks for a week off or four days, they're not like, oh, my God, the restaurant needs you. They're figuring it out how to give that person that week off because that's what that person needs. Right. And so from there, um, once they're hired on, like I said, every time I do like this podcast, I'll send it to them so that if I'm saying things that are in that I haven't said to them before, they're able to capture it. And then I give them and so what I'm starting now, because now I have two really good, I'm at the position where we have two really good GMs. Um, and so 
What I did previously is that I give them a book. So we're going to start with Conscious Leadership. I read it every single time. So this will be my third time reading it. Um, And we read chapter by chapter. And then we have a monthly manager's meeting where we talk about the book. And so it gives them a, a month to read the chapter because Lord knows we're all busy. And half the time when I come home, it's, it's like giving homework. It's like, now you're going to give me homework. I've already been at work all day. Right. So it's like, but at least you you can finish a chapter in a month. Right. And so that gives us time to reflect and kind of talk about. And then I'm able to hear ideas because I want them to think about how they treat their employees. And I want them to come up with more avenues and more ways to, to foster that relationship. Um, and then I, then I do the check-ins that I expect for them to have with their employees. So I'm actually going to have one today. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? I don't want, let's not talk about work, but just how are you doing? Are you okay? Then we'll go into, okay, so how's the job for you? Is there anything that I'm missing that I can help you with? Is there anything that you've asked me for that I haven't given you? Because, Hey, I haven't, look, I'm not at the place where I need to have an assistant yet. So (laughs) I might drop the ball. So, you know, I'm only human too. I get stressed out. I get overwhelmed. And sometimes I drop the ball. And so, you know, I do check-ins with them like that. And then I ask, have you checked in with your employees? Is there anyone that we need to just slide a note to and say, I see you, you know, here's a gift card. I appreciate you. Is there someone that needs a pep talk? Because I'm really good at doing that. If they let me know, then I'll sit in that personal time with talking to the owner, you know, is is big for them. They look at me as mom. So do I need to go mother somebody for a second? Like kind of let me know where I can interject to help keep your team mentally, mentally sound. Um, and that's kind of what that looks like. It's kind of it's, it's always an open dialogue. I want them to have autonomy over their positions and for them to kind of lead it, I don't always want to have to lead it. And I have to give them that space. So on their weekly check-ins and their weekly, I'm always asking them, okay, employee retention, do you have any ideas for them? Any more KPIs that we can be paying attention to? Any more rewards that we can be giving and building in to let our employees know that they're appreciated to make them feel good about coming to work? And then also having an open communication with you guys um, so that we can always be there as an aid. Now, we're not trying to trying to take the part of being their therapist or or anything like that. But it doesn't take a lot from someone just to ask you, like, how are you doing? And then if they respond and say, I'm struggling, then you can say, well, hey, you know what? We can see about maybe, you know, helping you get therapy if you're interested in that. Because what I found is that you can give employee benefits and they're not using it. And so now we're paying monthly for these benefits, right? Which is a waste of money and they're not using it. So if we, if we, but we do one-offs. So like if someone is, is really hurt, like someone failed, it wasn't even on our dime. Like they, they were drunk <laughs> on their own time, on the weekend, having a good time and fell off the curb and twisted her ankle. Right. And I knew that she didn't have medical insurance, but I went to her and I was like, I know that this is going to be a strain. How can we help? I was like, do you have a doctor? She was like, I don't have a doctor. I said, okay, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to sign We're going to put you on teledoc. Yeah, we're going to get you on teledoc. Let's see what the doctor says on there, right? And then if not, if they say you need to go to urgent care, we'll send you urgent care. We'll pay for the urgent care bill, you know, right? Just to aid because we can do that. Um, and so 
those are the things that, you know, kind of like the follow through and how I, we try to be, again, intentional with making sure that that's top of mind um, and that we're doing check-ins that way. With Queenie's front of house and Michael's back of house working well, they've turned their attention to making sure both teams work together cohesively, which has proved difficult in the past. The all-too-common division between both sides of the restaurant is still apparent, and Queenie has worked to solve it by making everyone walk in another's shoes for a little bit. The back of the house has kind of been like this Proppy and Rose. They've been together for a minute. They've been together starting from the pandemic. So they're a very, very close-knit team. Now, now the task is to get the front of the house there now that we have managers that have been there longer than four or five months. Um, and then... Then the next step would be to make it extremely cohesive from the front of the house to the back of the house. So that's my next step because like the divisiveness between the front of the house and the back of the house is crazy to me. <laughs> it's like, it's a competition, like who's better, who's, you know, and it's like, okay, guys, we're all working for one concerted effort, which is the guest. So let's kind of like, it's not, well, well, the front of the house isn't doing this and the back of the house is, so we're trying to like bridge yeah, kind of bridge that gap. And how we're doing that is through training. So the front of the house actually spends a week in the kitchen. Um, and then um, the kitchen staff actually comes out, they run, they do expo, like especially as Poppy and Seed, the back of the house runs the food to the table. Um, so we train them in that so that they can have an appreciation for what each other does. And then they can understand um, how to work together more as a cohesive team. So the front of the house works in the kitchen for a week? Yeah. Like as on prep or? Yeah. So they start in the dish pit. Oh, wow. Okay. They do like, um, and it's it's a couple of hours a day. So it's not like the whole okay. shift. So it's not the full shift. Yeah, it's not the whole shift. What are they going to do back there? They don't know how to cook. Like, but, <laughs> <laughs> right? but it changes. But it Sorry, changes. my servers are cooking today. Yeah, right, right. I know. Like what, what type of, <laughs> I was going to say something that was a curse word on here. But okay. um. <laughs> <laughs> um but at least like, because I was blown away, like when I, like I had never worked in a restaurant before Poppy and Rose and then Poppy and Seed was like my first dinner restaurant. So it's amazing to me what it takes to work on the line. Too much. Couldn't do it. I have, I, when I spent an hour and a half on a busy brunch service, I was like, first of all, I need to go take a walk and smoke a cigarette. And I don't even smoke cigarettes because I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> That was a lot. I don't understand how you guys do it. It's too much for me. My heart is racing still and the tickets are gone. Like, you know, so it, it gave me, and then when I had to wash dishes one day in the dish pit, I was like, oh, okay, this is serious. Like, this is a lot. <laughs> like, this is too much. It, uh, it gave me a different appreciation for the kitchen, hands down. So I think that it's important. Um, you know, that they stand there, they stand on the side of the hotline, ask questions. Well, why are you doing that? Cause that's what I do to them. Well, what's that? You know, well, what's that right there? Well, why are you doing it like that? You know, cause we don't know, we don't know, you know, they don't know what confit means. You know, they don't know what souve means. They don't know what emotion means. They don't, you know, so it's like with those types of things that allows them to one, they start to learn and know the back of the house, they start to build rapport with each other. And then two, they're understanding what it takes when that ticket comes in, what it takes to get that plate on the table. Then also when you mess up tickets, what, what happens to the line and why your food is taking a little bit longer, you know? So all of those dynamics, I feel 
you know, adds to a better type of team environment. And then what does the front of house do to kind of do the, do they, or the back of house, do they do stuff in the front of house? So they come out and they polish. This is more for like Poppy and C because Poppy and Rose is so fast that everybody's busy all the time, right? Um, but for Poppy and Seed, um, they they come out, they polish, they help set the table, they uh, they set up the dining room with them, and then they run food to the table. So so they're getting feedback from the guests because I feel like you know honestly, it's like the songwriters. <laughs> I look at it this way because I come from entertainment, right? So the songwriters never really get to see or feel how their song is being received from the the person at, you know, Beyonce singing it or whoever's singing it. And then the crowd is giving her the response and she's on stage and she's feeling all of what the crowd's response to the song that they wrote. That's kind of like the back of the house, right? So the, the front of the house comes out. They didn't create the menu. They didn't cook it, but they're out there selling it, making it sound good. And they're hearing everything that they get. This is amazing. Oh my God. The way that it's played, it's so beautiful. The flavors, and but the back of the house never gets to hear that because they're on the line. They don't get to see the, the vibe and they don't get to feel that. So we wanted them to start running the, the, the food to the table so that they can be a part of the experience too. So that they can hear the guests say that, oh, my God, this looks beautiful when they drop it on the table, you know, those types of things. Um, and so that it also allows them to talk to the guests. They have to know, like, you know, kind of kind of like what what pairs well with the dish, because um, somebody would ask them, like, hey, do you guys have a, a wine that can go with this? So instead of we don't want them to be like, let me get your server. They should be able to like, hey, yes, we have a wonderful red blend of blah, 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 blah. That'll go great with that. I'll let your server know, would you like that glass or a bottle? Go back to the server and tell them, hey, blah, 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 blah. So now they're working as a cohesive team. Another tactic that Reed uses to keep open communication is an open book policy, which allows employees to look into the restaurant's numbers and how their role affects the bottom line. That sounds like a wild idea to you. You're not alone, and Reed understands it. But they have figured out a way to share just enough information to have a positive impact. I didn't want to at first, honestly. Like, I'm really because you know I'm a controller. Um, it's personal to me, right? I don't want anybody looking my books and be like, "Well, what?" Like, I thought that we were doing more than what we were doing, you know, and kind of get a connotation. Yeah, and it's like. And then it's like, first of all, you don't know what I had to do to do that, sir. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now I have an attitude and now everybody's upset. But, uh, <laughs> but what I realized is that when I want it, if I, if I, if I, if I need, I need them to understand how everything works and when they make decisions, what that affects. Right. And so it's like, when you start to understand money that way and reading the PL. Not only are am I the one looking at how to cut expenses and very um, it's on my radar and very, you know, it's right in my face, but then they'll be looking at ways to make sure that they're controlling costs. But then also I can't hold them to KPIs or a standard and saying that you need to control costs if they don't know what the hell the costs are. Right. So it's like, it's like, I'm saying that you need to control costs here, but they're not seeing everything else that plays into that. 
So that's kind of, it's, it's not setting them up for success. It's setting them up for failure if I keep the books from them, right? So what I did was I, I started a system uh, called Craftable, which there's several out there. Got Craftable, Marginez, Extra Chef that goes with Toast. Same, they're the same type of platforms. Um, and what that allows, one, is that it, ha- it holds basically all your money that's basically happening with um with through the through the restaurant and then seven shifts you know we is is optimizing the labor right and so now we have the labor tool and we have craftable tool it brings it all together and then in craftable there is a, a side of it called analytics which allows them to see their labor and then their costs also their operational costs because i have them put all of the invoicing in. So I don't have to necessarily open QuickBooks because that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Like uh, a lot of restaurateurs, like, I don't want you to know how much debt I'm carrying because that's my debt, right? I don't need for you to know that we took out a loan. Like, you know, that, and that's, that's what people feel like they don't want people to know, which is fine. Your general managers and all that, they don't need to know that. They don't need to know how much it took to get the restaurant there, right? They don't need to know how much debt all they need to know are the things that they are controlling. And so with analytics, since they're putting all the invoicing that's even non-inventory items like the, uh, the security invoices, like uh, you know anything like that, CentOS, okay? They're putting that all there. So it's bringing in all the costs from everywhere. The only thing that it's not going through is like LADWP, you know, that type of stuff. So they're able to see the health and what they have on Craftable is a heartbeat. And so every week when we're in our meetings, we go and we look at that. You can see how, what the comps and voids ratios are, what your sales versus labor is, what you're trending, the forecast, so you can kind of plan. And all of that is working in together. And what I found is that it allows them to be better managers and control costs. And now it's not so much a burden on me. Now I don't have to constantly always scrubbing, always scrubbing, always scrubbing. They're actually doing a part of the work too. And now you have a system of controls, right? So how con- how being a controller works is that you have all these different system of systems of control. And that means that there's different eyes on this one function, right? So now it's just not my eyes. And now I don't feel as overwhelmed. So now all I can pay attention to is... Ding, 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 what I didn't want them to see. And that's the debt. (laughs) With two successful restaurants and a catering company, Quinny and Michael have turned their sights on restaurant number three. It's yet to be named, but we have a good guess. It'll start with Poppy. In the meantime, they have a ton of exciting events, but I'll let Quinny tell you about it. On the horizon now, um, what we're gearing up towards is uh, our new build, which will be in West Harbor, which is... Um, opening in hopefully like September of 2024. Um, so that's on the horizon. Um, we have a lot of programming that's going to be happening with Poppy and Rose and Poppy and Seed. So look out for that, uh, like special wine dinners, beer dinners, collabs, those types of things. Um, and then we're always doing a lot of community outreach. Um, so constantly just always check our Instagrams at Poppy and Rose. Uh, LA uh, for Poppy and Rose and at Poppy and Seed OC for Poppy and Seed. My Instagram is at Queenie Land. 
um, K-W-I-N-I-L-A-N-D. And Michael's is at Chef Michael Reed. Um, and you can always keep up with the new things that's always popping up for us. Thank you for joining us for the pre-shipped podcast presented by Seven Shifts. Be sure to follow us on social media for new episodes and bonus content. And as always, my inbox is open, dj at sevenshifts.com. Let me know what you think of the show, who you want to hear, or just say hello. We'll see you next time.